You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42Cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I'm your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you to talk about Marvel's Luke Cage. It feels really weird to talk about the Netflix shows in the past tense. They were so exciting. It was such a weird flash in the pan kind of thing. There was the anticipation building up to them, the release, the long delay getting to Defenders, and then everyone was excited that now that they've got the event over, that we can just go to enjoying these characters for years to come. And then, of course, the rug was pulled out from under us. Um, So, yeah, this was recorded back when Luke Cage Season 2 was relatively new. I think it might have been out for a month or two when we recorded. Uh, And, of course, at that point, we still assumed that, well, they wouldn't have ended it that way unless they were positive that they were getting a Season 3. So... Uh, you know, we were uh, fairly uh, optimistic, I think. Um, and of course, in each of these successive Netflix shows recordings, we were, you know, a lot less positive as things wore on about there being a potential future for the character. But hey, you never know. I mean, there's always the rumors that Marvel's going to bring the Netflix characters in house and either do shows with them on Disney Plus or probably more believably on Hulu. And we could get them, you know, bringing back all the old casts and everything. And uh, so we'll see. You know, there could still potentially be another season of Luke Cage, even with Mike Coulter doing it uh, out there in the future. But yeah, just wanted to explain that it's a product of its time. Um, But uh, yeah, otherwise... Not too much has changed around here. Uh, I am pre-recording this a couple of weeks before it's supposed to come out, so I don't know what other craziness is going to happen in the world, but not much has changed for us here. Uh, main thing that we're doing geeky-wise is we've added the last season of Man in the High Castle to our sort of watch rotation, so we're watching through that right now. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I mean, we're midway through season four of Quantum Leap, um, but... Uh, Oh, and we're watching Fuller House, if anyone cares about that. But, um, <laughs> anyway, it's a, it's 80s cheese that uh, is so nostalgic, and so uh, I love it to death. I realize it's not for everybody, which is why we're probably never going to do an episode on it uh, for the 42 cast, but it is something that does bring a smile to my face when I watch it. But, yeah. Uh, so that's, uh, it for all of this kind of stuff. Um, now we can join the episode already in progress. Let's meet our guests for this week. So first up, he hails to us from the satellite of love. He's the guy with little spindly arms. And that is my buddy, Mike Nelson, AKA Trex. How are you doing, Mike? Salutations, Aaronettes. I'm doing good. <laughs> and, uh, so how are things up on the satellite? Sleepy. Oh, uh, okay. Very sleepy. 
Okay. Are you getting enough oxygen? Yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, it's been just a busy month uh, due to Dragon Gun. And I blame mm. Dragon Gun entirely. So, wait a minute. Is this one of those things where you're working on projects for Dragon Con, but you're not actually going to be at Dragon Con? You know me so well. <laughs> <laughs> so, so explain this to me, Mike, because I've always wondered, why do you work, for pro- work on projects for Dragon Con, but not actually attend? Well, take a seat, children. It all started because of Sean from Sean Castic. I've worked on a project with him a couple of years ago where we combined the three Star Wars prequels. He knew I wanted to do more with my video editing, and he brought this project to me. He's like, Mike, do you want to do it? I'm like, dude, it sounds amazing. Let's do it. So we worked on it for about three to four months, and it was for Dragon Con. And I knew about Dragon Con. Never been. I live four hours away from Atlanta. I've never been. And so we work on this project. We do it. And I actually go. Uh, I didn't go for the premiere because I had to work. But the next day, woke up at 3 in the morning, drove to Atlanta, stood there at 7 a.m. in in line, waited in line for an hour and a half, not just until the doors open, but just to get my ticket. <laughs> and, and then walked the experience, not in the entirety of it, but enough in a... 12 hour experience mm-hmm. and then left at 10 o'clock that night came back home way past midnight and i i died i passed out okay. <laughs> you know you know if you actually stay in a hotel there in atlanta it's not that stressful it's not until you look up at the bank account right <laughs> gotcha i have to say one day of dragon con was more tiresome than the five days I spent in New York for New York Comic Con. <laughs> There's a plug for Dragon Con. <laughs> more stressful than New York Comic Con. <laughs> the people, so much to do. And and I was just a spectator. I was stressed in New York because I was there as press. And I had to get to these different meetings. But oh my god. But no. Uh, but then, thanks to that, Gary, uh, who runs the sci- one of the sci-fi tracks... He asked me, it's like, hey, can you help us out with these karaoke videos? I'm like, yeah, man. Sure, why not? And this is actually the first year, because the other years have been like, hey, yeah, here's uh, 30 videos. Go ahead and put lyrics to these. Hey, look, here's 20. This year it was, hey, man, here's six. I'm like, oh, you know me. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so so that was, I had to spend, I spent an entire week working on that, uh, actually last week. And I finally got done, and now and uh, t- on top of my other streaming, other videos, and then work, I don't know how I, I don't know how I function. Well, I'm glad that you're functioning enough to at least get on the podcast. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else going on for you? Nope. There's a little something else that we can talk about later because it actually ties into the sh- to our show today. Oh, okay. All right. Did you get bulletproof skin? No. Okay. All right. Well, uh, it's good to have you back on, Mike. It is good to be back, sir. All right. And so next up, you know her as the lady who is the expert on all things MCU. She is our resident scholar, and that is my buddy, Jen. How are you doing, Jen? I'm doing excellent tonight, sir. And uh, what's been going on for you lately, Jen? Well, um, I, I just got my, uh, I'm, I'm finishing up the tail end of my three whole weeks of vacation for uh, from school. Um, of course, not vacation from work, because that would be 
you know, too too wonderful. But right. um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, starting back in uh, for my third year of my doctoral program, so that's super exciting. And uh, I'm taking uh, I'm, I'm taking one like very boring class, but but it's uh, it's it's right in my uh, my wheelhouse in terms of expertise and then i'm taking a fun one where we're doing textual editing on a uh gothic horror story by sheridan le Fanu for our main project so i'm stupid excited about that <laughs> all right that sounds like fun mm-hmm Cool, and uh, so uh, I, I, I don't want to. I, I, I'm hoping this is an okay question to ask, but uh, how close are you to achieving your doctorate? You don't ask that to okay. people, man. All right, all right. Now, I, but, I, but, but 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 I will I, I will say this. Uh, I I have uh, two more semesters of classes, mm -hmm. and then I have a semester in which I have to take my comprehensive exams, which is horrible. And then uh, I am hoping that within two years of that, uh, I will hopefully finish the dissertation. But but we'll see. Mm -hmm. That's sure. one of those things where it takes however long it takes and. Who knows? <laughs> mm. All right. Well, cool. But yeah, you get that. You get that doctor name. You know, you you be Doctor Hartshorn after that. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and, and when you walk at graduation, you get the awesome Darth Vader robes. Right. So, you know. <laughs> it's all about the style to be to get your doctorate, right? Yeah. Exactly. It's like the the velvet sleeves and stuff. That's uh -huh. awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, cool deal. Um, uh, any anything else going on? Uh, let's see. I, I'm getting back into tabletop gaming, which is super exciting for me because I stopped doing that for like 20 years. And uh, I went from, from having no campaigns to now I'm in three. So that's, uh, I never do these things halfway. Yeah, you were involved on the creative side too, weren't you? Yes, yes. That was actually my, my first uh, first real job out of college was I was the uh, developer for Wraith the Oblivion and Vampire of the Dark Ages. Mm. So that was super cool. But then I got out and started doing other stuff. And now I'm like, huh, I wonder what uh, I wonder what D&D's been up to the last 20 years. All right. Well, that's awesome. Keep us posted on your journey. I will. Uh, all yep. right. Well, it's good to have you back on, Jen. Why, thank you, sir. And finally, rounding out our cast, she hates it when I bring up her, her origin, so I'm just going to say <laughs> it is my buddy, one of my oldest friends, and that is Angie. How are you doing, Angie? Uh, I'm good. I'm actually feeling a little intimidated by this cast today, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here drinking some wine in my Harry Potter pajamas and oh. not getting after it or working on Dragon Con. So. <laughs> hey, it takes all kinds, Angie. I guess so. <laughs> so what have you been up to uh, lately? Um, not a whole lot. Uh, the heat wave here finally broke um, and was replaced with flash flooding. So I've been holed up in my house waiting for the apocalypse and uh, just binging, binging Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I did that last week. <laughs> so you've overcome your hatred of Hulu enough to do it? That's why I got Hulu and I kind of hate it still. Yeah, it's the worst. Okay. <laughs> That's because it's it's the ver is it the commercials that are that's turning you off? It's the commercials. The interface is garbage. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I wasn't a fan of it when it first came out, and it seems like they never really cared to get any better. So. Mm. Okay, I, I I have not uh I I have I'm not a Hulu person, so I I don't know this. Um, 
So you pay for Hulu and then you also have to watch commercials. Yes. Is that right? Dif- there's different tiers. Right. Yeah. yeah. If, wow. if you pay extra. That ain't right. Which, I mean, because I was one of the people who first started with Hulu and I didn't mind the commercials because I really didn't care. But I had to change my card Great. account because <laughs> I, I, my card got a whole bunch of stuff. So I had to change it. And when I changed it, I went to the top tier which i think is like 12 bucks a month with no commercials and i haven't gone back since i can't believe i've had this without my life yeah see i dvr everything and so i don't really need hulu for the every once in a while the dvr glitches or whatever and i don't get a show i watch the shows that hulu banks up you know from like the previous week or whatever but i don't need hulu for that and i was gonna get rid of hulu but then they started putting on exclusive content like um sailor moon crystal which my wife wanted to watch and then um then it was the uh the the runaways from marvel and so it's kind of like i've just been hanging on to hulu for (laughs) the content that's only available on hulu um you know rather rather than just letting it go which is annoying to me but oh well Between Prime and Hulu and Netflix, I'm shelling out quite a bit for streaming. I mean, I guess it worked. I waited and waited and waited for Brooklyn Nine-Nine to show up somewhere else, and it never did. So I caved. Well, they, they get my dollars and my rage. And she's not wrong. The, the interface is horrible. Mm. Did you say that you found uh, Agent Carter on there, Angie? Yeah, yeah. So that's next up on my list. Okay, yeah, because you haven't seen Agent Carter. No, I wanted to watch it legally, um, <laughs> so somebody would know that I was watching it, and uh, yeah, it just <laughs> never popped up anywhere. All right. Um, so, so other than like uh, just binging stuff and uh, and trying to stay away from the flood, uh, anything else going on? No, not too much. Just, uh, I mean, I I, I kind of want to geek out with Jen about. Um, uh, the Dark Ages. Oh, cool. <laughs> Dark Ages, but we could, we could do that after the show. Right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm I'm like White Wolf old, where like, I played Vampire the Masquerade. Um, yeah. Dark Ages is too... Does that too... make us old? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that was before Dark Ages, so... <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> we, we played a tabletop Dark Ages campaign like three years ago, so <laughs> it's still around. It was a lot of fun. But yeah, from what I understand, White Wolf has like purged all their old content. So, um, you know, like pulled That's all the books. a whole other show if, we, <laughs> if you wanted to talk about that. <laughs> okay. And so. that's, that's a big mess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's good to have you on, uh, Angie. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, so next up, it's our five-minute controversy, which um, is just a little thing that we do to loosen up before the show. Um this week, I I was trying to find a really good controversy for us to talk about, and I couldn't really find anything that um, I felt was a good general discussion that we'd all be able to weigh in on. So I thought I'd take something fun that was just a little news bite that popped in on my feed. And since we're talking about a Marvel product, um, the news came out uh, this week that originally Howard the Duck was going to be in Infinity War. <laughs> And so really quick, I just want to know, what do people think? Would that have been a good move? Are you are you sad that we didn't get Howard the Duck? Or do you think uh, it was probably a good idea that the Russos cut that out? So, um, Mike, let's start with you. That is a travesty, sir. A travesty. <laughs> I have never been more disappointed in the Russos in my life. Uh, did, did you see the article? I did. Okay. 
well, I read bit, I read bits and pieces because I was at work. Right, but, sure, sure. Uh, but yeah, I if if there's ever a choice on the table that someone out loud says, should we put Howard the Duck in this? The answer should always be yes. <laughs> Not just because Howard the Duck is awesome, but because Seth Green needs work. No, that's true. <laughs> It's true. Seth needs work. Now that he can't play like the perpetual teenager, you know, he's finally crossed like the age line, you know. <laughs> Which is what? Has to do the shave. Right. Yeah, he's he been successful. He has to shave. He can still do it. <laughs> he's been CGI su- is amazing. Yeah. No, no, it's true. Well, that's why Howard is perfect for him. It's a CGI character. He's just doing the voice. So, um, but uh, yeah, so. <laughs> All right. And um, uh, Angie, what do you think? Um, I'm a little afraid to admit this, maybe, but I've, I mean, Howard the Duck came out when I was like two. I saw it once in high school, and I don't know, maybe I should watch it again. I don't feel strongly about Howard the Duck, but I'm, it seems like anyone you talk to seems to have strong feelings about him. It, it's good that <laughs> Ryan isn't on this one. I don't care. <laughs> Ryan would be upset that you don't love Howard the Duck. <laughs> Maybe I'll, I don't know, is it on Hulu? Maybe I'll watch it. (laughs) It is a George Lucas film with with everything that entails. Um, I mean, I don't think that I would have taken any special joy or or rage should he have shown up in Infinity War. That's fair. All right, Jen, what do you think? So, um, I, I, I totally think Having Howard the Duck in uh, in um, Guardians was great. Uh, he is is a perfect cameo for a movie like that. Um, Infinity War, you may have noticed, bit of a downer, um, bit of a <laughs> bit of a serious ending to that. And uh, if he was going to be in the movie, I, I would hope it would be uh, very uh, comparatively early on, um, as as much fun as it might have been to, to see Howard the Duck uh, uh, dissolving into nothingness. Um, I, I think that tonally, maybe that would not have been a good call. So uh, I think I think that uh, keeping keeping Howard the Duck for movies like Thor Ragnarok, he would have been fine showing up in there, in my opinion, or um, or uh, Guardians of the Galaxy or anything like that is fine. But please keep him out of the, the ones where, where we're trying to have some actual gravitas here. <laughs> well, come on. And he deserves his own movie. He does. <laughs> OK. Um, see, I, I think that everybody's missing the obvious. Well, see, here's the thing. According to the Russos, at least in the early version of the script, it was Peter who would have interacted with Howard and he was going to go to to get some intel on Thanos. Um, and they said that that wasn't really working. Um, but, but, but the obvious thing, the thing that they should have thought of is where Howard belonged was with Thor. So that Thor would have had the rabbit, the tree, and the duck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> He could have shown up there in Wakanda with the rabbit, the tree, and the duck. And then that would have been awesome. Then everybody would be praising it and saying it was a great move. Yeah, if if, if only they had had that, then it would have been a decent movie. Right, yes, exactly. yes, you know. <laughs> really forgettable. But man, if they had put, put Howard in there, that would have... That would have really salvaged it. Oh my god, how many Steve Irwin jokes would have came from that? Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> Did I do that? 
but uh, yeah, no, I, I see. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, there was a, there was enough humor in uh, Infinity War that I feel like they could have handled Howard. But it, it was, it, you know, I mean, if the script. You know, if, if they couldn't figure out a way of doing it right, then then definitely they shouldn't have had it. But, yeah, I think that they could have had fun with Howard. Um, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. And it was a great movie anyway. Um, so, yeah, that was our five-minute controversy. Not really. Uh, for this week. Uh, <laughs> but uh, before we jump into our topic, let's uh, pause for a moment for this promo from another fine podcast. The Hitchhiker's Guide to Podcasting has this to say about the weekly Earth Station One podcast. Mildly entertaining, not nearly as exciting as the popping of bubble wrap, but slightly better than listening to Vogon poetry. Be mildly entertained by Mike and Mike as they tackle an assortment of geeky topics each week. Check out the Earth Station One podcast and let your inner geek out to play. And we're back. And like I talked about at the top of the show, uh, this is going to be about Luke Cage Season 2. But since uh, Season 1 came out before we started the 42 cast, I just wanted to really quickly get a baseline from everybody on how you felt about Season 1. Um, so uh, let's go uh, Angie, then Mike, then Jen. Sure. So uh, I adored the first half of Luke Cage Season 1. Um, I loved everything from the color choices. The acting was great. I loved the villain. Um, I feel like uh, once Cottonmouth uh, died, it kind of fell apart. Um, I did not really enjoy the ending so much. Um, so that kept it from being kind of one of my top tier candidates of the Marvel Netflix shows. Um, but overall, it was positive. Really liked the music. Okay. Mike? Um it it was one of another it was another show that really brought out my black side which is always huddled in the corner just like can i come out it's like no you can't Um, oh man (laughs) oh my god being mixed i have to pick and choose my battles (laughs) so it's it it was it was a really good one and i kind of have to agree with angie on this one with especially with the shift when cotton when cotton dies it really goes uh, over to the side it somehow brings it back towards the end which i like the big annoyance for me was it followed the same formula as daredevil where we're in the city we have this thing something happened we need to go out the city to handle this side story and we're going to come back to the city and handle business it it was it was almost beat for beat with Daredevil in that tone, and I'm like, I already saw this. Hmm. I've already experienced this. I need something, something else. But Luke Cage, Mike Colter, uh, the cat. I really enjoyed the cast and how creative they had to really make it uh, to to make it more for TV. And I'm not a fan of the music. I have a little love for jazz, but not a lot. Hmm. But uh, the the music that tied so well with the show and i thank the thank all the audio people for it they did a fantastic job 
Yeah, I, I said that it was like the Kill Bill soundtrack. Yeah. And then with all the snake references, I was like, I'm having weird like Kill Bill like flashbacks while watching this, even though it's not like Kill Bill at all. <laughs> but anyway, just stylistically, for whatever reason, my mind kept connecting those two things. All right, Jen, what about you? So, yeah, absolutely uh, in agreement with everybody else in terms of uh, the first half of the season was amazing. And then uh, we ended up with a, a not so good, like, knockoff villain for the second half. And that was very disappointing. But on a technical level, in terms of directing, cinematography, music, I- everything like that it was it was just stunning it was um you know i I thought the other netflix series had been good this just was in a whole other class i was blown away with it on, on a on a technical level the other thing that i i really enjoyed about it was you know i was like okay luke cage he's he's a a bulletproof black guy and he's like really like super manly and everything and i was like i don't know if i'm gonna really be into this they had the best female characters in the entire MCU mm-hmm. you know, in, in that uh, in, in Luke Cage in general. Um, I love Misty. I love Claire. I, I, I love I, I love I, I, I'm just I'm blown away at at what uh, a, a great supporting cast this has. Um, and uh, and so yeah, um, the like I, like everybody said the uh, you know the second half villain was pretty disappointing. Um, there's only so many different ways you can have people shoot at Luke Cage, and it, it, it like like there's the only the only thing that was different was who is he shielding from bullets this time? Um, because it was it was always there was like the one person he had to protect, and that 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 was the only variation really. Um, but uh, but yeah, overall, technically brilliant, plot wise, maybe not so much in the second half. I uh, I, I think that the show. Uh, well, first of all, I'm going to say Mike Coulter. He was so interesting in that, like you said, Jen. He, he you know, he, he you could very easily with Luke Cage go with a very toxic, masculine character of I'm big, I'm tough, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I, you know, I punch things, you know. Right. And he was so understated. He was this guy that just wanted to be left alone, you know. He just wanted to do nice, you know, just just live his life, be a good guy, and just everyone just kept on dumping on him constantly, mm-hmm. and I. I loved that because that's that's a lot like um, Spider-Man in the comics, mm-hmm. which you know the the MCU version of Peter doesn't get dumped on quite as badly, but. Um you know, I mean, Luke, I mean, that's the thing. Like, even when he does good things, people think that they're bad things and everything else. And, you know, he ran into trouble with the cops, which, you know, they started touching on topical issues and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this this series is, you know, really interesting, compelling, great lead, you know, uh, speaking about actual social issues. Well, I mean, the show goes on and on about it. there's a lot of social issues um involved there about yeah. um you know uh, inner cities and you know the the you know the people who hold the wealth and the power and those who don't and everything else I loved pops i mm-hmm. uh, gotta give a shout out there um again i love the idea of a guy who had been in the gangs and who came out and was you know basically trying to just you know create a place where people could just go to get away from all that and everything else um shades Wonderful villain. We haven't mentioned oh, Shades yet. Yeah. Oh, um, just, just the, just the slimiest sleaze ball, you know. But done in such a way that you enjoy watching it. Um, and uh, and yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, 
um, our second villain who, oh God, I keep forgetting. Was was he called Sidewinder? What was his? I can't remember what he called no. himself. No. It wasn't. It was another snake thing. Cottonmouth. Uh, Diamondback. Diamondback. Thank Diamondback. you. Thank you. Yeah, Diamondback. He was not anywhere near as interesting, but I think that Mariah was really the true villain of the second half of the show. Oh, yeah. And um, she was interesting in her whole way of trying to, you know, spin her power and, you know, getting everything else. So I, I enjoyed it. I know a lot of people don't like that second half. And while I think it might not have been quite as good as the... Um, uh, first half i didn't find the drop and you know i've had people say like oh the second half was just awful i just stopped watching after you know the sixth episode and it's like i, I don't feel that way at all i feel like it was still you know a, an interesting show to watch and i still enjoyed it a lot but since I, I just brought up mariah and she's such a strong presence in this season um what do you guys think of mariah um jen why don't we start off with you I, I loved her. I, I thought I, I think she's fantastic because uh, she's, you know, she, when when you first see her, you think, OK, so this is going to be the matriarch character and she's just going to kind of sit on high and, you know, do things. But girlfriend gets her hands dirty. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> very, very <laughs> dirty in that sixth episode. Yeah, very, very bloody and messy and, and stuff. And uh, and. Yeah, uh, she's she's amazing, and uh, I I thought this season um, uh, she are, are we jumping up to this season stuff? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, jumping to this season now. Yeah. Okay. Um, so she was just anytime she was on screen, it was it was interesting. She uh, it was a very multi layered performance because you can see you can see the politician level, you can see the businesswoman, and and you can see the the family stuff. And I just I, I think she she's she's going to be missed on that show for sure. And and she did the the ultimate screw you uh, move at the end. That was brilliant. Giving, giving the club to Luke. You know, in the end, I don't even know for sure what she thought of her daughter. You know what I'm saying? And and that she played that so well, where it's like, did she actually love her? Did she not love her? You know, what, what was she trying to, you know, what was she trying to do there? She was a useful political prop, is what she was. Well, no, I know that. But, yeah, I mean, but she played that so well, though, of being able to just obscure everything and, mm -hmm. you know, just, you know, just keep things to whatever gave her power. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I really appreciated that. Um Angie, what are your thoughts on Mariah? I thought Mariah... Uh, I was hesitant going into the second season because I, I kind of thought Mariah was a bit of a weak link in the first season. Not that she wasn't wonderfully acted. She definitely was. But I, I think that maybe the end of season one suffered from not giving her even an iota of the development she had in season two. Like, watching her slowly lose it was just amazing it was it was so well done i appreciated it so much i you know i actually kept waiting for the same thing to happen where the the season tanked about the middle and and kind of went downhill and it never did it just kept ramping up and and a lot of that is due to how well she was handled in the second season um i i i kind of feel like the season was a lot about perception and um opinion and maybe not what's right and wrong, but how people perceive that. And mm -hmm. I thought it was great because there are definitely times, I mean, Mariah is a monster, just a flat out monster, but there were still times in the season where I really fell for her. 
Um, and I, you know, you could like it put everything in perspective. You could see where she was coming from. Not that she wasn't still a monster, but you got that bit of pathos from her, which I thought was really impressive. Well, even with her rage against Cottonmouth, because he was saying that she enjoyed being raped, you know, I mean, you get that. I mean, you get why she would have that primal anger. You know, and, and push him out the window and then think about it afterwards, you know, it sort of thing. So, so yeah, no, I, I think that she, she turned in a tremendous performance in the first season as well. But yeah, that's, um, I, I, I really like the scene between her and Luke's dad. Mm-hmm. Where for a moment she's almost just a normal human being. They're talking about their kids. You know, they're just two parents. I was afraid for a little bit that there was going to be like a little bit of a row, like she was going to drop shades and have like a romance with Luke's dad. And I was like, it's going to get really messed up. Yeah. <laughs> but um, thankfully they didn't go that way. Um, Mike, what did you think about Mariah? She was a struggle for me in the first season. It's, I, I couldn't really put my finger on it because, and my knowledge of, of Luke Cage especially in, in Marvel, was, was low. I had no idea who the villains were, who I knew it was Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Buddy Cops. And, mm-hmm. and so and uh, I knew Sanford Green was the artist for the Luke Cage and Iron Fist comic book, so I, I got a taste of the story and what the characters were. But uh, I just I could not connect with Mariah in, this, in season one, but in season two, who, oh, buddy, talk about character development. I, I I focused on her and well not when she was with shades that was gross, um, <laughs> that I just couldn't I could my brain couldn't I'm like no you can't do it I want no nah, bad shades, so but just seeing her she's she she has a plan she wants to try and go do it and there was a lot of struggle with her and shades about what really direction to go to. I, I really liked her in the, se- in the second season. She, uh, uh, like I was said, she got the character development that she needed in season one. In season two, I can see that. Um, and what about her daughter Tilda? Um, Mike, let's just stay with you. What do you think about Tilda? That was a shocker. I didn't expect it. I, didn't, I did not expect a daughter card. I did not expect it. And. In that in that relationship, I can understand because I have that kind of distance with my fa- with my father a little bit. Um, just man, that was it's. I can't. I felt for Tilda, and just to try and make some amends, like man, she's a bigger person than I am. <laughs> she uh, and seeing her, I felt that she was always a, somewhat of a crutch a little bit in some aspect, but she found, she found herself, she found her ground and especially with helping uh, Bushmaster. And I, at the end of the day, when I look back at the season, I think about Tilda is like, what would I have made that same choice if I was in her shoes? And it's still a question I can't even answer yet. Ooh, okay. I'm a little bit worried now. <laughs> um, she did. We're at the dirty. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, yeah. Um, you know, at first it's funny with Tilda. I thought that maybe she was actually playing her mom 
because a lot of the scenes would kind of like, you know, the way that she was looking at things and the way that she was acting, I wasn't sure if she was playing her mom in some way and that she might not, she might even know Bushmaster from something else because even their interaction when he first comes into the store was a little weird and so I didn't know what was going on there, but they, they ended up making it, you know, uh, that it wasn't, it wasn't anything underhanded like that. Um, but yeah, that ending, um, with uh you know the kiss <laughs> that's uh it's pretty dark um, but uh so Jen what did you think about Tilda um she was okay um i was i was not i, I wasn't sure what to what to make of her i mean like like i got that mariah was using her as a as a political prop i i didn't know um uh, I wasn't sure how they were really going to use her in in the plot. I thought it was actually uh, kind of cool that she ended up uh, helping uh, helping Bushmaster and and uh, being able to put her uh, her herbalism knowledge uh, to really good use because you know not only are there not a lot of people that are gonna you know th- th- there's <laughs> there's only one Claire mm-hmm. you know there's there's not not a whole lot of people who are like oh hey you're like a a super weird supervillain and I'll totally happily patch you up um but if if he hadn't found somebody that really knew the herbalism side of things uh you know that could understand the the nightshade he would have been screwed so uh so I thought that was that was pretty cool um and and like you I wasn't sure if I mean, she was clearly very, very sharp, and I wasn't sure if if she was playing Mariah or or what. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a very solid ending for her. Um, and uh, what about you, Angie? Um, I was a little annoyed at her entrance. It seemed a little convenient writing to have this herbalist doctor that is also Mariah's kid and Bushmaster needs nightshade and um, so I wasn't that impressed you know when she showed up um, but I really liked her interactions and what she brought out of all of the established characters mm-hmm. um, you know her interactions with Mariah give us this new facet of Mariah that's disturbing but also really incredible to watch and her interactions with Luke and and um Bushmaster wasn't an established character but her interactions I mean she almost had a softening influence on all these characters and just gave us the opportunity to explore you know a, a side of them that we wouldn't necessarily get if it was just like a straight action season so I appreciated that other than that I I mean I, I realized she's a comic villain I didn't know that while I was watching so I thought her turn was maybe a little bit of a stretch um and maybe i wouldn't have thought that if i'd known who tilda was or who tilda johnson was in the comics um but you know overall i i appreciated the character being there i thought it it added to the to the season well here's the thing i i don't know the character nightshade from the comics you know I've, i've heard that that she's a character but she's such a minor character that i've never read anything with her um but for me, um, I thought that it actually worked for her arc because when we first meet her, she's very idealistic. I mean, the fact that she's an herbalist, we usually think of herbalists as being very idealistic kind of people. They've turned their backs on, mm-hmm. you know, 
modern medicine and and you know they're trying to find you know <laughs> science right <laughs> you know natural you know natural remedies things like that um and so and she's turned her back completely on her background and everything else she she wants to forge a new path but the funny thing is that even though she ends the season declaring that she's a johnson mm-hmm. she has become her mother's daughter so in her mind she's completely changed she's not that person she's not that family but the kind of person that she is she's controlling she wanted the club you know she thought the club was her right to have and was mad when luke got it instead of her she's a murderer she killed her mother you know and all those kinds of things so at at the same time that she's striving against being mariah's daughter she is becoming mariah Mm -hmm. and i thought that that was very interesting and i'm looking forward to what they do with her if we have another, they haven't announced another season. I'm hoping we get another season. Oh, they're gonna have another <laughs> season. <Right. laughs> well, I, I didn't want to say in season three because then I realized, oh, yeah, right. They haven't announced that there is going to be a season three, but there's gonna be a season three. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um, My culture needs work. Right. So, so yeah, I, I I thought that that was I thought that was really neat how they how they played that. So even though I was kind of unsure of her in the beginning, uh, I really like how things turned out with her character. And uh, since we're since we're dealing with that whole branch of the story, uh, I think we need to bring up Shades. So Angie, what did you think of Shades in this season? Uh, I love Shades. Shades is my favorite part of the season. Um, I like the actor, honestly. I, I think he's great. I think um, part of the reason that I found the season so suspenseful because I didn't know until near the end where he actually stood. You look at his behavior towards Mariah and everyone else, and and you could take it at face value that he really was in love with her, and you know, or I thought he was playing her. Mm-hmm. I wondered that as end. well. <laughs> And going back and forth, trying to read into all of his actions to figure out what was going on with him was a huge source of stress for me in this season. So I, you know, I enjoyed every scene he's in. I love his interactions with Luke. Um, I, I, you know, his interactions with Mariah, I'm not going to say I enjoyed them, um, but I appreciated them. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he's definitely one of my favorites. As Mike takes a shower over there. Um, yeah, he's definitely up there. He's one of my one of my favorite of the the Marvel Netflix villains, maybe even the MCU villains. Mm. That's pretty high praise. Uh, so, Jen, what about you? What do you think of Shades in this season? He was great. Um, you know, he in in the in the first season, he was you know he was like a upper level henchman basically. Um, but he he had a, a personality, and he just you know had had style for days he was just you know so freaking cool and i loved that this year he got to come into his own he got to um do a lot more and and make a lot more choices and not just be the you know the 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 lurking heavy in the background um i thought his uh his interactions with with mariah were were interesting she's she's quite a bit older than him uh which was uh an interesting dynamic um and uh yeah uh it was it was fun and it was fun to getting to him to see uh getting to see him do some of the the politics this time around and and like you said you know not knowing you know how 
to to what degree is he going to be the loyal soldier and and stick by Mariah? And to what degree is he playing her? And to what degree is he horrified by her? You know, as as the season goes on. So he, I thought he was he was wonderful. That's a beautiful distinction. I like that you brought that out because you're right. He sees her going crazy, mm-hmm. and he realizes she's going crazy. Yep. At the same time as he's trying to steer things in a way that benefits both of them. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's hard because he's trying to manage her right at the same time as trying to to make sure that you know things go the right way and everything else mike what about you shades is the man (laughs) when you look up loyal in the dictionary you see shades (laughs) that dude the the actor portrayed this character so well i don't even know if shades is in the marvel comics for luke cage but in in season one there uh, of course shades and luke were in jail with one another so I'm not sure if that's true history or whatever. I don't care. Shades needs to be in a Luke Cage book. Mm. He needs to be more profile. And he's a guy. He's just a street thug. He's mm-hmm. literally a street thug who makes it so well. He is just a mastermind. And Mariah screwed it up a bunch of times. They just... Uh, and oh God, it just blows my mind how Mariah screwed up this relationship. <laughs> and, but even, but even his boy, how he did his boy. I mean, that. Oh, come on, she here. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, where did this all of a sudden become a Days of Our Lives sitcom? <laughs> my heart is tearing for Kamachi right now. And then we had to go see the mom, his mother. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> God, that. I could probably watch a Shades Comanche buddy show until leading up to that. And that could have been just a like Luke Cage Shades. Done. That's my show. <laughs> That's my show. Uh, I remember watching that actor uh, in numerous of movies and shows back in the day with Shades. I don't know if everything he did before came together to make this character. Whatever it took. Shades is amazing. And just he cared about the streets he respected the streets he respected mm-hmm. pops he respected switzerland when he threw tone off i'm like tone deserved it yeah <laughs> bye, bye tone yeah, he shot comanche and i felt bad for shape right <laughs> yeah yes. yeah he didn't want to do it but shades is great yeah. love him absolutely love him yeah. Well, to answer your question, Mike, uh, Shades is in the comics. is a very, very minor character, much like Mariah. Um, Mariah mm-hmm. in the comics is is actually called Black Mariah and is the, just a low level crime which, boss. She brought that, right? Yeah, they dropped oh that gosh, in this season. Yeah, they said that was her nickname, and I was like, oh, that's they're going for it. Um, but yeah, she's just a really large woman who's a crime boss in the comics. She's not interesting at all. So uh, I think that Mariah has improved greatly. Well, actually, in in the newer version with Iron Fist and uh, Iron Fist and Luke Cage in the new in that newest relaunch, or whatever, uh, Black Mariah was actually a very prominent villain. She she came straight into the forefront. I'm talking about 70s comics here, but <laughs> yeah, stop showing your right. Well, the, the, those were made before <laughs> I was born, but I just read a whole run of Luke Cage and Iron Fist this past year. So, but uh, yeah, so I mean, they're doing some subversive stuff here, right? Like usually, it's the old man crime boss with his young woman, right? Mm-hmm. And so they flipped it on its head, you know. 
here's uh, Mariah as an older black lady, and here's her young white man, you know. And, uh, you know, so that was kind of fun, you know, that they that they played on those tropes. I know that you, you needed to take a shower, Mike, but I didn't really think, I mean, yeah, do I have, like, kind of a knee-jerk reaction against that? Sure, but that's a societal thing, you know, and, and I got what they were going for <laughs> with that, and, um, you know, I thought that that was an interesting uh, play. But then so was the Comanche thing, because you don't expect you know the, these these hardened gang thugs to then be like we have feelings for each other you know mm-hmm. that that's a you know it's a subversive thing again and so um you know i i i you know i again i mean the show is trying to bring up a lot of social issues and talking about different things about life you know that uh you know that happened so i like that but uh yeah shades himself oh my god he is so much fun because he is super charismatic and it is a cast that is full of charismatic people um you know there are a lot of people that are fun to watch in this show but i think that he's probably at the pinnacle there um you know you always watch shades he's always got a really good way of speaking and you know set has some of the best dialogue um so yeah i really appreciated that too and i appreciated the fact that yeah even after i was watching for you know where he's trying to play uh mariah and how he's trying to make this all about him finding out that no i mean he really is an honorable guy and he's really mm-hmm. playing by the rules of the streets you know, and and uh, Angie brought up, you know, feeling sad for Shades when he had to shoot Comanche. And that's the thing. He didn't want to kill Comanche. Mm-hmm. Even no, even when he found out he had to, you know, it was because he, he knew he had to because it was the rules of the streets. He had snitched. Mm-hmm. And, and it's awful, <laughs> you know, and, and it's why he was sloppy. Because even when he did it, I was thinking the same thing that once Misty walked up, she was like, wait a minute. How did he lift his gun mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and shoot this guy? You know, I was like, there's no way that you can, like, ping that as they shot each other, you know, uh, thing. But but yeah, it was and, and that was good. I like the fact that they actually brought that up, that that was sloppiness because he was so emotional rather than it just being the writers couldn't think of a better way of you know, letting Misty figure it out. You know, I, I thought that that all worked too. So yeah, I am I really enjoyed Shades in this. But before we go to our two heavies, let's talk about Misty, who I absolutely adore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Jen, let's start with you. What did you think about Misty and her arc uh, post-Defenders here? I need a Daughters of the Dragon series now! Yes! Oh my god! Yes. I, I, I really, 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 really want to see her and Colleen in a show together because that would just be super awesome. Mm-hmm. I think one of the themes running through this season is, you know, good guys being put in situations where y- y- you kind of have to say, well, am I going to follow the law? Am I going to follow what I think is right so so with both her and and Luke and and Tilda too I think and arguably shades you could probably make this argument for just about anybody mm. um there were there were a lot of moral choices um you know that could go different directions and um like uh, just just like Luke getting put in charge of the club I think that you know putting Misty in in a position of authority within the department puts her in a really weird position, mm-hmm. you know? Um, 
And so getting to see her negotiating that over the course of the season was was really interesting. Um, you know, getting I loved um I loved her, you know, confronting people over the thing, you know, with her arm. She's like, Okay, quit quit talking. Can we just get this out in the open? Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought, uh, you know, she she had a lot of great moments, and I think that it's going to be super interesting going into the next season, seeing her and Luke, I don't, I don't know if they're going to be in opposition to each other, but they're both dealing with a lot of the same questions about, you know, doing what is right for Harlem, and where does that put you on the law and not law Spectrum. Yeah, I, I want to table the discussion for what we think is going to happen between them in season three for a little bit. But yes, that I, I, I agree with you. I, I'm very curious to see how that ending plays out. Um, Angie, what did you think of uh, Misty in the season? Um, Misty for me is kind of complicated. Uh, I remember at some point in the first season being really annoyed by her constant smirk. <laughs> um, but I noticed by the end of the of the second season, I was just so proud of her whenever she was smirking. (laughs) So at some point she won me over. Um, Misty this season was the one I think that had some development that maybe didn't hit. Um, I think her interactions with Nandi, maybe I just didn't like Nandi, but I I don't think that really brought anything. I didn't, you know, I, I can see maybe where they were trying to go with it. Just didn't always hit. Um, for me, I'm I'm more interested about Misty going forward um, than I have been. I think it's really interesting that <clears throat> during the season, you know, she treated Luke like her partner um, to the point where it kind of, you know, every time someone would be like, well, he can't go with you. He's a felon. <clears throat> like it would bring you back like, oh, he's he's not a cop. Like he's her partner. Like she's treating mm-hmm. him like her partner, but he is not her partner. But she just trusts him implicitly. And then by the end of the season where she has that realization that, like, the person that you trusted may not be there anymore um, is just super interesting. So I'm, I'm really interested to see where they go with her in the future. Um, I liked her a lot better in the, se- the second season than the first season. If, you had to, if I had to explain why I didn't like her so much in the first season, I probably couldn't tell you. Um, I just... <laughs> wasn't that into the, the, the misty vibe then i guess but i'm, I'm down now well I, I have to say the there were two things that annoyed me with because uh, I, I like the whole thing of her being you know handicapped and her having to confront it and her having to you know basically uh you know force her co-workers to confront it and things like that and her having to deal with it and even how colleen forced her to deal with it in the bar fight where it's like hey Mm-hmm. You do this, you know, <laughs> until the guy broke the glass and had a weapon. That's the only time that Colleen got involved because that was, you know, a step too far. But yeah, that. But but I, I the fact that she acclimated to the new arm so quickly bothered me. I felt mm-hmm. like there should have been yeah. more of a of a curve there, and. I wanted her to do things with the arm that a normal person couldn't, but they made it almost like, yeah, she's got a robot arm. It's no different than a regular arm, you know. I kind of got the impression that was still to come. Like, Mm -hmm. she's got a really nice prosthetic right now, but it's still, you know, just a regular old prosthetic. And then we're going to get the crazy Rand stuff later on. Yeah. Maybe they're afraid that it's going to take Luke's shtick. It it will. (laughs) 
<laughs> if she can punch a wall and make it come down, then what's good to the Iron Fist? <laughs> you, you know, that is the perfect excuse to have a movie crossover because I want Shuri to come in and make her a new arm because that would be awesome. And give this woman an arm. <laughs> yes. Maybe Rocket can steal the old one and so she needs a new one. <laughs> um, Mike, what did you think of uh, Misty this season? Um, I felt for her and her struggle. I didn't even know you could be, you could go back to being a cop was one was one arm, <laughs> even as a desk job. But it's it, it, she. It was a test of her tenacity to want to keep doing her job to try and find normalcy again. And luckily, we have Colleen who's here to wake the senses up. And their interaction, especially in the bar, was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Exactly what Misty needed. And yes, we needed ours of the Dragon series. I completely agree. Um, I'll be okay with finally having Heroes for Hires. Come on, bring it, bring it on. Let's do it. Misty was my only real connection to knowing her backstory, knowing who she is. And the whole time, I'm like, come on, Heroes for Hires, baby. Let's do it. Quit the police force. Quit. Quit. You're not quitting. What are you doing to me? <laughs> Come on. Misty has, it has really just become a fan favorite for me, and I absolutely love her. Because even in season one, I'm definitely like, lose the arm. Lose the arm. <laughs> lose the wow. Arm. <laughs> I was very vicious. Well, the thing is, they keep teasing us with stuff because in the in the first season, she she has that really bad injury to her arm. She's losing a lot of blood, and you think, oh, this is when it's going to be. They're going to have to amputate the arm, and that's when it's going to happen. And it's like, nope, fooled you. Then defenders, oh, yeah. okay, now uh-uh. now we're losing the arm, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and then the thing of you know how how much can she be on the fence with the police force? I mean, I keep thinking, you know, okay, season one, she's gonna quit the force. No, okay, defenders, she's gonna quit the force. Okay, now uh, season two, she's gonna quit the force. Oh, she did quit the force. Oh, not really, it didn't take. Okay, <laughs> because yeah, I want her and Colleen to form Nightwing investigations, and I want them to you know do their thing, and let's just have a show of Colleen and Misty. Yeah. Uh, then here's my problem. If they're hesitant to do that, then stop teasing us with her like quitting the force and stuff like that. Just say like, "Hey, that's not the direction we're going," and she's just gonna, you know, you know, be be the the awesomest cop she can be, and that's fine. But I just felt like being jerked around like that wasn't really necessary, and that was the thing that annoyed me most about her arc. But I really enjoyed all the stuff in the beginning, because I think it's a very real thing, it's a very human thing. And I think that that's where the, you know, a lot of the Marvel stuff succeeds in taking these extraordinary characters and putting them in, like, a situation that somebody might have of, hey, when you lose an arm, that's tough. You know, I mean, that's a that's a hugely life-changing thing, and having to adjust mm-hmm. to that. And especially if you're someone who feels the sense of responsibility that someone like Misty does, you know, doing that police work and making the, you know, the city where you live, you know, a better place. Um, so, you know, everybody was like, why don't you just take the, the pension and go? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you, you could get pay, you know, just to, just to leave. And it's like, no, I mean, because to her, that isn't, it's not about just... Just making a living mm-hmm. you know it's about doing good and so i really like that and i like i say i really liked um you know all the stuff with her forcing her co-workers to confront you know the change in her life and showing that she was still you know capable of contributing but yeah the the jerking me around stuff that's what i didn't like <laughs> <laughs> don't quit the force unless you mean it 
<laughs> no take backsies. Uh, we also give props to Misty for being that for being that sister to the night nurse. I'm gonna always call her the mm-hmm. night nurse. Um, Claire, yeah. <laughs> uh, so when Claire had to, when she ran away, when she moved and had to be separated from Luke, Luke had nowhere else to go. Mm-hmm. I, I love that scene. It's like, so can I stay at your place? Hell no. <laughs> like, ah, you got it, girl. That's right. You tell, boy, no. <laughs> at that moment, my I, I challenged my sister and just snapped my fingers, like, you go, girl. That's right. <laughs> Um, just because y'all did it one time he's Claire's man <laughs> and you respect that <laughs> well, he is a man that enjoys his coffee he does so much coffee <laughs> I um, I didn't really understand the point of them constantly being at Pops but then constantly talking about having to move it was like if you want a new location just do a new location and if not then just keep things at pops you know i'm fine seeing all these characters hanging out there you know so again i wasn't sure what they were really going for with that of you know being in pops but then talking about having to move well i think that that part of it is um you know well well they you know they were talking about needing to you know pay the rent and everything so so there's there's that and if you know if if luke is just going around saving people and not pimping himself out uh to piranha which we (laughs) haven't mentioned piranha he was so much yeah. fun, um, but um, but uh, you know, so so there was there was that you know to to bring up the fact that yes, Luke does need money. You know that 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 brings up that conversation to say we have to be paying the rent or the mortgage or whatever. Um, but I think it's you know it's also the the link to the past. It's you know it's it's literally like where he comes from, and it's a uh, you know it's. With you know, with all the stuff, and D Dubs also, I gotta say, was was a really fun secondary character that that I enjoyed a lot more the second time through. But yeah, I, I think it was I think it was to have that that link to the past, and when while he is still rooted there, he's still you know he's still tied to pops. He's he's still you know that that guy who's fighting you know to save the neighborhood. You put him in the suit and you put him in Harlem's Paradise. And that's a completely different Luke. And DW says at the end, he's like, you know, you can come and get your hair cut, but you can't be here. You don't belong here anymore. That makes sense. Um, that makes sense. Uh, but before we talk about Luke, I want to get into Bushmaster. Because he was a new character this season. You know, everybody else we talked about except for Tilda, you know, they're returning characters. And... This season brought us Bushmaster as our new, let's say, antagonist. <laughs> um, yeah, because the you know he's not an out and out villain like um, Diamondback or even Cottonmouth was. Um, so uh, I know everybody's gonna have a lot to say about Bushmaster. Uh, Angie, why don't you start us off? Um, yeah, where do I start? I- <laughs> um, Bushmaster. I just, I love this entire storyline. It's great. My only complaint about it is that I I have a problem with accents, and I not, I had to rewatch so many scenes because I couldn't understand what they were saying. Turn the subtitles on. That's what I did. I turned the subtitles on, yeah. Hashtag anime life. <laughs> so, but that that's, that's on me. That's not... <laughs> no, it was hard. I think, I think we can all agree it was hard to understand what they were saying. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like Bushmaster 
it kind of encapsulated some of the, one of the main themes of the entire season so beautifully that it, it must have been on purpose. You, you look at the season, you're looking at perception and they always bring up, you know, you're not going to be a hero to everybody. Even when Luke beat up Cockroach, like, you know, you had the one cop who basically was like, yeah, I deserved it, you know, but he nearly beat this guy to death sort of thing. And so you, you always have this dichotomy, uh, especially with this season. I think they were really mm-hmm. being like where you're, where you're coming from and why people are doing what they're doing versus looking in as an outsider on what they're doing because bushmaster is also a monster I mean, oh yeah beheading people like that is he is absolutely a monster but i never got the sense that he was a villain yeah mm-hmm. um, and he you know he he very much had that ends justify the means um attitude the whole time and luke um, kind of was coming from at the other side, like your actions matter, you know, and if you if you do the right thing, then it's going to work itself out, basically. And then by the end, it's almost like they had swapped positions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Bushmaster had, de- you know, declared this war on the Stokes, but he let Tilda go, you know, and then Luke becomes, you know, the, the owner of Harlem's Paradise. And so they almost, they almost swapped positions um, and it kind of, indicated that like the downfall of Luke, maybe a potential downfall of Luke. So just thematically, he was perfect. I think he was perfectly cast. I think his voice was mesmerizing even when I couldn't understand it. Um, I loved his, I loved his uh, interactions with his people. I loved his interactions with Mariah. I loved sassy Mariah talking to Bushmaster. I am. I can't point to anything that I thought was off about this character. I think he was pitch perfect for what the show was trying to do this season. Yeah, and to be fair, it wasn't just the accent. The dialect was, you know, yep. they used words yep. differently than we would use words. So, I mean, it was it was a combination of that factor that did make it difficult to understand. And even if you have the subtitles on, the subtitles are in dialect. Right, right. You still have to do a little bit of thinking about what they're saying and be like, oh, okay, that's what he means by that. I saw a funny uh, meme on Facebook with him where he's standing in front of the store, Dillard's, and yelling, Stokes! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. I love that. (laughs) But, uh, and yeah, and speaking of perception, like, to the the other Jamaicans living in New York, he's a hero. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, he, yeah, you know, I mean, that's the thing, like, as far as they're concerned, you know, like, this guy's just making things right because of what happened to his family you know and uh so yeah i mean it's it's interesting you know they play off that dichotomy there mike what did you think of bushmaster i was speaking so many horrible jamaican accents on stream (laughs) i'm pretty sure the whole country might hate me (laughs) well whose fault is that mike (laughs) well i blame the entertainment industry for (laughs) Having such amazing for giving me these accents in front of me, and yes, I have to mimic them because they're so awesome, and I want to be awesome. So I can't help it if I'm a sponge. You're supposed to only do that within your home. You're not supposed to do it on the internet. Well, I'm at home. Okay. <laughs> Bushmaster was he was a a quandary because you're right. He he's not a villain. Mm-hmm. In that sense, he he had his own mission. He just went about a very aggressive way. <laughs> uh, just the whole fact that he, when he first showed up onto the scene, he took the bullets and he kind of bounced off. I'm like, oh, we're going to have some crap today. 
what's what's this guy about now well they embedded themselves in his body they just didn't go all the way through they're just like sticking into his skin <laughs> yeah and isn't that how like the first episode ended like they were just in yeah yeah he had to like pop them out <laughs> yeah i was like oh dude that that is hurtful so hurtful <laughs> and so he he had a mission and, and his his arc was was good was great for me I think his uncle is probably we all need that uncle, you know? <laughs> yeah, he he was almost a pop's analog, wasn't he? I mean, he was, yes. he was yeah. He was. He was the moral center. Mm-hmm. He was and, and the thing was he approved of the direction. He just didn't approve of the methods. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it he's like, "You know what? You just need to we just need peace. Just leave him alone. Just leave him alone." And but Bushmaster had none of it. He's like, I want what's mine. And the and I love his speech about Luke Cage has the heart of Harlem, and that's what he wants. Because mm-hmm. if you don't have the heart, you have nothing. And I'm like, yeah, man, you ain't gonna get that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you and in the and when he said the that phrase, I was thinking the best way that Bushmaster could have probably even do this was to make it seem like Luke was going to be the villain. So that's why I expected for the season that he was going to make it somehow that Luke was going to be this villain. And that would have been like a great turn. But even what we got, it was still great. I love the fight scenes, uh, his Capoeira style, just rocking Luke all day long. I I feel like it almost, almost stepped into a bit of mysticism Mm -hmm. because of how the Jamaican roots with their voodoo, with... Uh, it's I, we were stepping so close to that, and I really wanted more, a little more direction for that. Well, yeah, he's the holistic Luke Cage. <laughs> Take some herbs, and you can, you know, get the same powers. It's it's fine. Can't wait to see that QVC commercial. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> maybe maybe next it will have some crystals that you know give you the powers of Luke Cage. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, yeah. Um, Jen, what were what did you think of Bushmaster? Uh, I loved him. Um, I think that that it is it is hard to have a character. I mean, I I'm not I'm not familiar with the comics, but I, I would imagine it is hard to find a good villain to put up against Luke Cage because they they obviously have to be somebody that can go toe to toe with him on his on the same terms, mm. but have it be more than just we're going to punch each other a lot you right. know because that's ultimately that's his you know that that's his main thing um we were uh, I, I had mentioned to you a couple of times uh Nathan when I was watching it um how much I I enjoyed his his fighting style and I didn't I didn't know I didn't realize it was capoeira but I, it was it was neat because you can you know that Luke learned how to fight before he had superpowers and so you know he he blocks shots and he like he ducks and and uh bushmaster just stands there and just like doesn't even bother to block he just keeps beating on him and uh it, it reminded me in in gaming terms of like the difference between a hit location system and a hit point system <laughs> because because he was like you know until you get him down to zero he's gonna keep hitting you just as hard <laughs> that's funny but uh yeah, I thought he was he was great because it was uh, 
it was introducing another another cultural aspect also of of, of New York and of, of the black experience and of the immigrant experience uh, and doing it in a way that was very uh, very culturally relevant mm-hmm. very very um, very sensitive and uh, and very very well done um, I you know I don't think he's he's because you know when, when we talk about these things we always you know try and like rank them up against other, you know, similar shows or something. He's he's no Wilson Fisk, and he's definitely no Kilgrave. Mm. But I I put him up above pretty much everybody else that we've had in the uh, uh, maybe, maybe not Bakudo because Bakudo was just awesome, <laughs> even though he wasn't the main villain. I, I love my boy Bakudo, but um, but yeah, he's he's definitely you know up there in in the better uh, villains of the Defenders verse, I think. Yeah, um, it's interesting because your takeaway from Bushmaster and mine was a little different because yeah, I mm-hmm. mean Luke's obviously a brawler, you know, I mean he learned how yeah. to fight on the streets. It looks like, and yeah, he that's that's how he approaches things. He's a brawler, you know. But you know, Bushmaster, we have him studying the footage of Luke and. And his true, style yeah. almost to me, because I remember him dancing around a lot. Like, yeah, he didn't block, mm-hmm. but it's more like a like an almost like dance slash martial arts, you know, kind of thing. And I don't know if that's what Capoeira, I don't know what Capoeira style is. It's very strategic. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's very strategic. Because the thing is, he wasn't, I think we learned during the course of the show, he isn't as strong as Luke physically, and he's not mm-hmm. as tough. But he was trying to be smarter and quicker than Luke, which gives yeah. you a nice dichotomy between the guy who's the brawler and the guy who's, mm-hmm. you know, a little more of a tactical fighter. And so, yeah, I thought their mm-hmm. fights were very good. Um, I think you're, I think uh, the, the, the latter time that they fight when... Um, you know, Mariah's hold up in the in the Rand building. Uh, I think uh-huh. that time it's more of like what you're saying, where he's just hitting Luke. But but definitely the yeah. earlier fights, he's dancing around a little bit too. That one on the the bridge mm-hmm. was was amazing. The just the the photography on that was was oh so mm-hmm. cool. And yeah, I like the fact that he doesn't really want to kill Luke. He doesn't relish it. He just feels like he has mm-hmm. to do it. You know. Mm-hmm. So again, he's not a villain. He's not twirling his mustache or anything. You know, he's just he he's got this thing. He 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 was his life was horribly ruined by the um by the Stokes. Yeah, and I I would be remiss if I didn't come to my my uh usual um uh rant about fighting scenes. Bear in mind with Luke Cage and and Bushmaster, you don't have the advantage that you've got in like Daredevil, where you can put a, a mask on a stuntman. Mm-hmm. You, you have to have either somebody who's an amazing body double, or it has to be the actual people doing the majority of that stuff. I think they shoot the fights so well in this series. Um, and one of my, my big pet peeves with, uh, with a lot of shows, shield, uh, iron fist, some of the Berlanti verse stuff is having fights in the dark Mm. (laughs) where, where you have like maybe dramatic lighting, but it's like, I don't know if that's, if that's a, a lazy thing where like they're they want to make it easier to cut in the stuntmen, but they th- there were you know some of the best fights this season were in you know bright light, mm-hmm. and that takes not only does that take 
outstanding fight choreography, but it takes a director who knows how to shoot a fight really well. And I, I'm just, I'm, I'm always blown away by, by this series in terms of how well they do that. I, I will say though, it does help for your stunt man if you don't have an actor with out of control, frizzy, curly blonde hair. Who the, so then the Jesus. stunt man needs to have like this horrible wig put on. That's really obvious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it I think for one it's a good thing that apparently Danny is is getting a mask in the next season of, of Iron Fist and uh and and also it looks like uh Finn might have actually, you know, taken some lessons or something right. because the 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 short bit that he is in uh that he is in this season of Iron Fist uh, of of um of Luke Cage, he's pretty good. And I mean the writing was better. The acting was better. It's like, wow, somebody actually bought a clue. Oh, I'm not going to defend Iron Fist, but I will say that, uh, from what I understand, the shooting schedule was so quick that he didn't have time for lessons. So now he's had some time. So that was bad on them on the production side of not giving the actor the time yeah. he needed to, to get the moves down. Because, yeah, we need more than Tai Chi out of Luke. Or not out of Luke, uh, out of Danny. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, Bushmaster... Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to do a villain or, or a character that does things that monstrous and not come away feeling that they are a monster, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. And, and you look at the difference between, like, Mariah does, you know... <laughs> you know when she when she uh burns the the uncle alive and has them just shoot up the bar just because and everything it's like you don't feel mm-hmm. the same way about mariah that you do about bushmaster for the things that he did mm-hmm. you know i mean mariah you just feel like this woman is cold-hearted and evil um so I think that that was really well done because, yeah, I mean, you get the fact that this was a man who was horribly wronged and well, it doesn't make what he does right. And, you know, people keep telling him that, you know, hey, you know, this isn't the way to do things. You're going too far. You at least understand where he's coming from. And I think that he sells mm-hmm. the the fact that it's almost like a burden to him to do this, but it's something that he has to do. Um, you know, he's he's not relishing everything that he has to do. He, he, he's going to relish getting rid of Mariah, mm-hmm. <laughs> but not any of the other collateral stuff that he has to do. Um, yeah, he's mm-hmm. staring straight at the ends that he wants, and he does basically anything he has to to get mm-hmm. there. Um, and then at, at the end, he basically finds peace because he just lets it go. And can let it. Yeah, we'll see if he lets it go completely, though, or if that's just a biding time kind of thing. But yeah, the uh, like even from the moment he, uh, you know, he sucker shots Luke when Luke's just walking down the street. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, the 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 physicality was you know was there um you know i was like holy crap you know i'm watching it because i didn't think he could just floor luke with one punch like that right and sure luke wasn't expecting it but it was still a shock to see that happen that way mm-hmm. so um yeah i mean all, all of that was done really well their their interactions together were done well and you know like we talked about his relationship with tilda was interesting you know and all of that stuff of of him you know, basically realizing, hey, this is just between me and Mariah, and you're not really part of the family. So, and the fact that you've helped save me, you know, we're we're in a different, you know, you're okay. 
And uh, and so I like that because I felt like that was progress for his character. Where maybe in the beginning of the season, it, when he went into the, the her store, if he had known that she was Mariah's daughter, he would have killed her right there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, so yeah, I, I liked that. But yeah, very again magnetic character, charismatic. I mean, they are they are just casting like I don't know how they're casting as well as they are in this show because uh, some of the other Marvel shows haven't been as good. But uh, but yeah, I mean, really great character. Um, but uh yeah now let's talk about Luke. Um and uh you know um uh, we we I almost hate to do this but she's in the season so little. I don't want to make Claire quite adjunct to Luke but uh we can talk about both of them together because I think one of the interesting things here was again them talking about social issues and them talking about domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you know Luke never let lays a hand on her. You know, I mean that's not what it's about. He hits the wall. But the idea is there's an escalation there. And if you're going to lose your cool and hit a wall and put your arm through a wall, is there, you know, it, are you going to start hitting her next kind of thing? And they don't really go into details, but you can tell that Claire's family, her parents, her dad must have hit her mom or something because the way that she just wigs out, mm-hmm. you know, about that. Well, and and bear in mind, they're also... You know, setting that up, I think, as as a parallel to the the whole thing with Cockroach and mm-hmm. and his wife and son. Well, yeah, I think there's a few things going on here. Yeah, they're setting up the parallel to Cockroach, and and I think that that was the point of doing that was for Luke to see that. But I think also mm-hmm. they're setting up the fact that Luke is on a slippery slippery slope. He's too cocky this mm-hmm. season. Oh God, yes. You know, after he made it through everything in the last season, and that's why at the end of a season we get the classic you know line from the nolan batman movies i mean nobody says it but it's the idea of you either die the hero or you live to see yourself become the villain you know and so we see that luke is on a slippery slope and he's falling down it and he doesn't even realize he's falling down it and he could become just as bad as any of these people that he's fighting right now so i thought it was really interesting i thought it was a nice way of you know, it didn't get too sappy into the now kids for the PSA about domestic violence, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but but then also spoke to a greater, you know, to a bigger thing that was going on, which was with Luke's own character and not just necessarily about that, but also about where he was and why he was so confident that he wouldn't ever do anything wrong, that that's how he can put himself in that position. I, I I saw that very differently right right from the first episode where it's like wait there's there's merch you know there's there's like Luke Cage merchandise mm-hmm. being sold and you know and the whole Harlem's Hero app and 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 all that it's like he's he's become a commodity mm-hmm. you know he's he's not he's not a hero anymore his, he's a brand his, you know and whether he's profiting from it or not exactly he's a brand well yeah he's gonna get Nike endorsements and crap <laughs> I know and he's like meeting with athletes and everything and and it's right from the beginning of the season I was like this is not good this is you know Luke is on a, a, a dangerous path here and, and it's not it's not his fault it's just that the way that the world has has happened around him is putting in, him into this position where he has to what's he gonna do is he, is he gonna say you know no don't make money off my name or you know but we gotta get rid of the heroin that's got his name on it because <laughs> well, yes. the brand issue there 
Where's that? I, I, I get where you're coming from with that, but I think that also, though, it, it just went to the general thing of him being so cocky mm-hmm. because all this was going on around him because he had become a brand. He had become a superstar, like an athlete. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was kind of like, I can do no wrong. And once you start thinking you can do no wrong, that's when you know, you start doing, you know, misbehaving because you, you don't think that you're capable of it. So, um, and I think that's why his dad was introduced also mm-hmm. is that was another character to kind of put him in his place a little bit. Um, but, uh, but he kept avoiding his dad. And I think that that was the point of that was that his dad could have been a lifeline could have been someone that helped him. Mm-hmm. And that's why Claire wanted him to talk to his dad to resolve the stuff that was going on there. And he kept avoiding that until, you know, it was a, it was an issue where his dad was in danger kind of thing. But, uh, but yeah, so I've been talking a lot here. Um, <laughs> Mike. What do you think of Luke this season? And and bring in Claire, the dad, anything else that has to do with Luke as well? Man, man, that dad, that, <laughs> there, that whole relationship between Luke and his father was, was surreal. It, it was, it, that, that, again, it hit pretty close to home. Uh, I mean, I love my father, but we just do not, we are not on the same page at all on a lot of things. And so I can't, really treat it as how Luke Luke felt betrayed. Mm-hmm. He absolutely felt betrayed and I am and I think we all have to understand that's a big betrayal. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, his dad thought he did it. <laughs> you know, wouldn't you believe his own son when he told him that he didn't do it. And and then honestly, on that same token as well, I have to go with the father as well cuz it was in a moment of grief. All, all it takes is just in a stressful situation one wrong thing and you're going to snap. And I think that was his dad's moment that he just snapped and went the entirely wrong direction on how to handle the situation. And just saying, just saying those words, like you're killing your mother. It's like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. you don't, these are words you just don't say out loud. For my preacher. <laughs> and man, just try and, and here's Claire trying to bring them together and sweet thing. You, you, you tried. That's cute. Stop doing it. Just let it be. <laughs> well, yeah, I was getting kind of was like you're interfering too much, and that's not going to help things at all. <laughs> um, Luke and, and I had this conversation with a lot of people on Facebook that they felt the first the first half season was slow, and and my honest my honest defense today is like, yeah, I felt the slowness in the first half of a lot of seasons. You don't really have a perfect season unless you're arrow season two (laughs) fair it's fair no sorry nope (laughs) it it was slow but we're also coming off of luke having this great big win for himself he's he recognizes who he is and he's trying to have he's trying to do this mission he's trying to have a life and I'm pretty sure we all have this same issue with Fantastic Four number two. You can't have it both. You can't have it both ways. <laughs> Though that's your takeaway from that movie. <laughs> I, I have some more takeaways, but that's fine. <laughs> so 
So Luke trying to do it all, he's, and it definitely was. It was missing the story. We had no idea where the story was going to go. We had Bushmaster, and we knew that Bushmaster and and, and Dillard mm-hmm. uh, what hated the hate. Uh, there was a hatred there, but Luke was kind of to the side. So Luke, Luke had nothing to do with Mariah or Bushmaster at this point uh, during that first half until they finally all collided, mm-hmm. and it was slow in that opinion, but I still enjoyed it and i still love the, the development of luke he he was trying to find his own way and again in that bad situation you snap and make that wrong call and luke and claire having that fight it was the wrong call and there was the consequences i've been in that situation seeing an abusive relationship i lit i i was claire in that moment like i can't have this in my life Mm-hmm. And I'm out. I I felt for Claire immediately as soon as that the yelling started. I'm like, Claire, get out! You get out, girl. It's like we don't punch the wall. I'm like, girl, no, we need to go. We just I I started breaking down with Claire. Mm. Just luckily, I was watching in my own room. And just I I just couldn't handle it. No. And that was that was such a real moment. And I appreciate and I hate Marvel for bringing that for bringing out because that brought back a lot of damage to me. So, thanks, Marvel. Thanks. You know, I've often, I, I wondered after the season was over that if Claire had stayed, might Luke have chosen a better path? But, you know, I mean, in, in a situation like that, though, you can't worry about the other person. You've got to protect yourself. So, you know, I get, I get what's going on there. Yeah, Claire did the right thing. She, she absolutely did the right thing. And Luke, he did the adult thing as well. And he let her have her space. And he needed to focus on something else now of course throughout the entire season without claire he was kind of missing he was really missing that moral clutch because he didn't have a pops right just lost claire he's and now he has misty but misty has her own baggage that she cannot be what luke really needs Mm -hmm. if anything misty is what's that word called it's where you don't, uh, you encourage it more. You, it's like, ah, it's going to the top, She's enabling. That's it. Yeah. Enable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's grappling with some of the same questions that he is too about right and wrong and, and where the line is and things like that. So yeah, they're not, (laughs) neither one's pulling the other back from the precipice. (laughs) Yes. Very. And, and how Luke came out at the end was a little shocking, but, it was, it was a direction, I, I guess. That even I, I, I replayed it in my mind. Like, could this go any other way? And at that moment, I'm like, Claire, what do you think? Oh, wait, you're not here. <laughs> yep, this is how we're gonna go. Well, he turns her away <laughs> at the end. She shows up at Harlem's Paradise. The guy comes and says, you know, uh, Claire's here to see you, and he's like, you know, tell her to go home. It's like, oh, too deep. Yeah. But here's the weird thing to me, and 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 maybe you know, so I know Jen's at least watched it more than once. I felt the last episode was weirdly surreal because once the will is read and Luke finds out he inherits Harlem's paradise, they say, "What are you going to do with it?" And he says, "I'm going to burn it to the ground." And then suddenly, cut to everything's you know, it's a party, you know, it's it's going like night is normal, and there's Luke standing up there with the business suit, looking down on everything like Cottonmouth and Mariah. And it's like, wait a minute, did mm-hmm. did, did did I miss something? Did I mishear something? I thought he was going to burn it to the ground. What's going on here? Uh, is that exactly what happened, or did I miss something? 
something. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah, because that was really weird for me. <laughs> yeah, I thought there, I thought there was a moment where he, because I remember in the club he was talking with Misty because his idea was to burn it down, mm-hmm. but and I'm not sure. I think you're actually probably right. Calvin went straight into I'm going to burn it down into uh, the dude kicking him out of the barbershop. But I'm not sure where Luke had the idea to use it for a force of good. Because that's the conversation he had for Misty. Right. And Misty, of course, is like, uh... Right. You you enforce... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You enforce the written laws, and I'll enforce the unwritten ones. It's like, what? (laughs) That's not what you do! (laughs) Wasn't it Rosalie? He went to... Rosalie Carbone had told him how much good he could do. Right. If he was in charge. And offered him some coffee. Yeah. 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 I mean, he was trying to get her out before the Italians moved in. So, I'm not sure how that's going to fly. Yeah. So, yeah, no, but I thought that that was before the will reading when he confronted her. I thought that then he finds out after that that he could get Harlem's Paradise, and that's when... And then he says, I'm going to burn it to the ground, and then it cuts instantly to everything, like, same as normal. And that was weird. No, no, because, uh, no, because Misty has her, her horrible Cleopatra hairdo in that scene. <laughs> that just, like, oh, man, girl. <laughs> what, what, who told you that was a good idea? <laughs> but anyway so uh angie what did you think of luke's arc uh in this season i was really impressed um with what essentially i mean this is essentially empire of luke cage right mariah won at the Mm -hmm. end for all intents and purposes we're all in a bad place um luke is luke is not the luke he was at the beginning of the season um i i kind of saw that fight scene with claire a little differently um and I guess if we're talking about Arrow, Arrow is a great example of characters having fights where you roll your eyes because somebody <laughs> just doesn't know certain information they should, and it would all be resolved if they just stopped screaming at each other. Mm-hmm. Um, this fight felt so uncomfortable and so real because both sides had points. Both sides were coming from a place of caring. Um, it felt like a real fight between a couple that really cared about each other, were really trying hard to do the right thing for themselves and each other, were not listening to each other, and hit a breaking point. It was really hard to watch. And when Luke punched the wall, my first reaction was that he hit a breaking point, immediately turned away so that he wasn't exposing Claire to that violence. But Claire then had the opposite reaction, which just seeing it, kind of sparked some some issues for her and she walked away i feel like this whole season i mean i felt for luke the whole season you know he mentions that he's a huge black guy Mm -hmm. in in harlem there's baggage that comes with that and you you have to understand at least where he's coming from to put a lot of his behavior in context and it's like yeah he has every right to be angry and and you you feel for him at the same time you're just like dude you you can't you can't do that (laughs) like and and i feel like you know we keep getting these little moments where um i mean it, it it the parallels to, you know, maybe local local athletes who have a chance at, you know, make it, making it to the NFL or whatever, or, or the NBA, where the whole neighborhood's behind you. But, you know, everyone loves the king, but everyone loves to watch the king fall, too. And mm-hmm. how, how quickly when your brand is you and, and you don't have anything to fall back on, how quickly that can turn. Um, and how just how helpless you can feel when that happens. I think, I mean... 
so much was so much was shown rather that that didn't even need to be said and and so kudos to Matt Coulter he did a fantastic job I absolutely felt for Luke in every scene even when I wanted to punch him in the face myself mm-hmm. like even the cockiness I mean the beginning when he just outright is calling the world out on, on video after surviving getting blown up in a truck mm-hmm. like I mean, I, I still, I was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> you deserve it. You just had this traumatic experience. Your friend just got killed, you know, like saving the city and nobody even knows. So, yeah, like you deserve to let loose a little bit. But even though you deserve it, you shouldn't have done it. It's, it's so relevant. You know, he, he, he stumbled. He fell down. He's not the same person. And it's twice as tragic because it was so easy to do you you just watched it happen and it's not like one any one decision um was the decision it was just a bunch of little things all piling up yeah i mean i found that ending shocking and and let me be clear also about the domestic violence thing i I understand where you're coming from on that and i and i'm not saying that oh yes well because he punched a wall he would eventually start hitting claire too but the thing is that's how she perceived it and that's the important distinction here is that's you know that's that's what she saw from that and i get what you're saying too that you know for luke you know like he just has these frustrations he just let it out and he's this huge guy with super strength and so you know his arm went through a wall but that's the thing it's when it turned violent is when it became wrong you know i mean like having the argument i felt like exactly like you did they both had valid points but it's when he you know actually hit something even if you don't have super strength you shouldn't start like you know hitting things uh because then that's that's when you i mean that's that's when that could grow into something more is if you're someone that lets yourself you know lets your anger loose like that and so that was sort of the slippery slope that he was on no and i didn't mean to imply that uh it's more that my initial reaction before Claire reacted was like, well, you know, <laughs> he turned around like he was it, it seemed to me like he was trying to shield her from the anger. Mm-hmm. And then it that was my immediate no, 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 no. reaction. And I agree with you because he turned around to hit something. So, yeah, I agree with you. He was de- definitely trying to make sure that even though he was angry and he was going to hit something that he wasn't doing it near her. But then that, yeah, but yeah, she has her own baggage there. And, um, and good on her. I mean, frankly, with as many people as stay around when somebody is hurting them, you know, I mean, like you should take warning signs and act on them, you know, and not wait for it to happen. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the that's the issue, and that's why it's complicated. And that's why, like you say, it's one of those things that you can look at it in both you know in both ways. And that's why I think these Netflix shows are good because they, it's not black and white and it's not a PSA, you know. Um, so anyway, to me, that's more interesting. But yeah, the ending with Luke was just shocking to me and you know people are still bringing up let's do a heroes for hire series and i'm like i'm sorry you need a luke cage yeah you need a luke cage season three before you can do that because luke has to come back from this before that's even possible because if i mean if anything luke and danny might will will come to blows next time they meet each other you know i mean Uh it could very easily go the very wrong way uh for them so uh yeah i'm very interested to see what they do with this i i am chomping at the bit for season three just because of i want to see what you know what happens with that um 
But uh, Jen, I know we talked a little bit as I was talking in the beginning there. But uh, do you do you want to say anything else about uh, Luke and, and his arc this season and, and his supporting uh, cast? Yeah, I, I think that the people have, have pretty much covered it. I, th- I think it was um, like I said right right from the jump. Uh, I was like, this is going to be interesting. The, the whole you know corporate superhero kind of thing, and and how he deals with that, um, and. Uh, yeah, um, certainly uh, a, a different direction than than I was expecting, um, but uh, but good. Um, it, it, the stuff with his dad didn't do a lot for me, but um, but I, I get the dramatic purpose that it served. Um, and yeah, I love I love my girl Claire, and uh, uh, I was like. You go, girl. That's that's probably the right call. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's why you know that's why I was saying that is that you know in a situation like that you've got to look out for yourself because too many too many relationships turn bad. Um, so I'd rather see somebody uh, you know get out when they're not sure than you know waiting until something actually happens. So uh, we had some uh, prominent guest stars this season. Uh, one of those being Danny Rand, the immortal Iron Fist, protector of Kun Lun and sworn mm-hmm. enemy of the hand. Because <laughs> you can't just say Iron Fist. And uh, the other being Foggy. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, yeah. Well, yes, and Colleen. But we talked about Colleen with uh, with Misty. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, but, yes, she was also a prominent guest star. Um but uh, did anyone uh, feel like Danny was like a thousand times improved, not just in the fight choreography, but as a character in this season? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's, I mean, great. he had he had nowhere to go but up. <laughs> absolutely. But um, you know, in in terms of, I, I think he was even an improvement over over defenders. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and in, in defenders, everybody kind of had to get their licks in on him, and and he deserved it. But um, I feel like like he's uh, yeah he's uh, he's they're they're writing him better. Uh, Finn is playing him uh, better, and I, I'm not going to say I have high hopes for <laughs> Iron Fist season two, but I have higher hopes than I did before. Sure, no, I, sure. I, I I I enjoyed what they did with him, and I felt like even in Defenders, his interactions with Luke were the best mm-hmm. out of his interaction with any of the other characters in the other shows. So, oh yeah, I, I was really looking forward to him them having more screen time together, and I liked that, and I liked you know I liked their interaction interaction in in the you know in this episode or yeah in the episode that he was in and i love the fact that he didn't have to say i'm the mortal iron fist sworn enemy of the hand <laughs> you know defender of gun and all that stuff you know like you say mm-hmm. they, they're writing him better i think getting rid of the showrunner that they had was a great move um unfortunately no, it tanked in humans but you know whatever <laughs> but uh <laughs> But yeah, um, I, I I really loved uh, Danny in this, and I'm hoping that uh, the writing in his next season is comparable to what he had here. And I think it shows that Finn Jones, if given a little bit of time, can play Danny well. He just didn't get that time with the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, Angie, what about you? What do you think of Danny in this one? Um, yeah, I think he was pretty vastly improved, and I think uh, the placement of his... Uh, guest appearance um in the season was was Mm -hmm. really done because 
he, I, I think Danny and Luke, and maybe part of the reason they worked out better in Defenders together is they their worldviews are fairly similar. They're they're both very much like you do the right thing, except for the whole thing about Danny's real superpower being his white privilege. <laughs> Well, uh, right, but I think Angie's talking about their moral center is very yeah. similar. No, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think that, you know, Luke was kind of slipping and Danny showing up helped reinforce, you know, that 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 morality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I actually think it's a bit of foreshadowing. Um, I, I think that Luke may be a large part of any sort of redemption that Luke ends up having. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that, because they are so similar, um, just in their their personal moral compasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. There wasn't a lot of places for Danny to go, but up. And I I approve of the haircut. I approve of the <laughs> yes, <better day>. yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Shave that rat's I, I nest. <laughs> um, I did like their their fight scenes. I thought were great because it, this is something that I noticed in Defenders too. They almost fall into a team up fight mm-hmm. um and it seems very natural um you know and and that this was a continuation of that their their fights together they just you know they had their their combo moves that were just really fun to watch so yeah i thought it was a great a great use of a character and a great maybe bolstering of a weak character to have him appear in a short spurt in, in this season. Yeah, it's it's funny because the characters were developed in the comics completely separately, but someone had the genius move when both of their titles were not doing as well to combine them into a single title and suddenly realizing, oh my god, they complement each other so well. Mm-hmm. And, and exactly, because one's the irresistible force and the other one's the unmovable object, right? So you get those things like in Defenders where like Luke's shielding Danny and then Danny jumps out to attack and stuff like that where you know that there's just so many things you can play with with their two of their abilities and so yeah it's it's funny because you would think that they were developed as a as a double act but they're not they they, it was just uh pure serendipity that somebody had that idea of putting them together um and it's worked out in the comics at least ever since mike what about you what were your thoughts on danny this season or just this episode (laughs) well I was one who defends the defender of Kun Lun. Mm. <laughs> uh, season one was rough, and I would definitely go and definitely just kept yelling white privilege at my computer monitor. <laughs> <laughs> but Danny in in this episode was was exactly the Danny that we had in comics. Because mm. I've always said the Danny we met in season one, we never seen that in any other media. Right. Because mm-hmm. we've always just seen this is Danny. He has the fist. He's done. He's he's grounded. Even Danny in this in the episode was like, "Yeah, man, I, I just feel more grounded." I'm like, "Yeah, you do. Your hair. <laughs> <laughs> you look more chill, dude." That hair was interfering with his brain. <laughs> it was blocking his. Chi. <laughs> happens with afros too. Don't worry, it happens. Uh, so Danny. This is the Danny Rand that yeah we wanted in season one. We want this Danny straight out the straight out the box of his little his open the bot pop figure, and this is the Danny Rand. This is the team up that I dreamed of in Defenders that we got te- a taste of it. But in this episode, it was the mm-hmm. best. It was just the best. 
So seeing Danny in this episode, I was already really hyped for Iron Fist season two. because I wanted to see where it would go. Now seeing Danny here and knowing this is going to be the Danny we get, I am much more ready for September. Is it September or, no, or like November? Yeah, September. Yes, I can't wait for next <laughs> month. Can't wait. Right. Or September. September of 2018, as this podcast is recorded. You know, Angie, I'm glad that you brought that up because, yeah, I, I think that that's true. I mean, they're both almost like overgrown children. Danny, because he really is someone who is a child that, you know, went to a magic place and then came back as an adult and he never really grew up. But Luke, it's almost like somehow he almost was able to retain an almost childlike. I don't know, I, naivety almost, but it's not. He's 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 he knows the streets, but he somehow kept that sort of like optimism, like a kid. Um, and, and so, yeah, that's that's interesting. I'm gonna think about that some more um, about them having like similar moral centers, and that's why they work so well together. Because that's not something you know. I'm usually thinking of the contrast between the two of them, and I and I wasn't thinking about how they're the same, um, and I kind of like that. Um, but then, of course, we also had Foggy this season, which I was not expecting. I knew Danny was coming because that was announced, but I didn't know that Foggy was going to be in an episode, and I was so ridiculously happy to see Foggy, and I was even more ridiculously happy when he said, I can't believe I'm about to suggest this, but have you thought of wearing a mask? And Luke had the best comeback to that. You know, I'm a 300-pound black man, and you think a mask is going to keep anyone from knowing who I am? You know? I loved it. <laughs> I mean, we we had to have Foggy because we don't have Marvel's uh, number two lawyer in the show right now. I don't care if she has not been introduced yet. Jessica Jones is number or not Jessica Jones, Jessica Walk, uh, Walker, Walter, or Walters, Walter. Yeah, she's the number one lawyer in the Marvel <laughs> universe. All right, but we we still can't forget about Matt Murdock. But Matt's not here, so we have to go with Foggy. Thank you, Foggy. Good to see you, buddy. Jerry Hogarth. Excuse me. She's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I, I like, though, how the Netflix shows just loan characters out like this, where it doesn't have to be, like, a big deal, where it's just like, hey, so Foggy's representing Luke now, you know, that's that's a thing, you know. And I like the <laughs> fact that because they had that whole thing together with Defenders, they all know each other. And so, it, it you know, it makes perfect sense. You know, it, it's not, you know, because that's the other problem is sometimes that stuff feels a little too coincidental where it's like, oh, okay, yeah, in this whole city, you know, the person Luke turns to is Foggy. But no, they know each other because they had this whole thing together. So it makes perfect sense. So uh, I love that. And I loved foggy trying to you know help luke and at the same time you got um the stuff going on um with piranha Mm -hmm. (laughs) and his sort of like starstruck you know attitude towards luke as this sort of celebrity and everything and you know i I, until and then he wants to shoot him it's like hey (laughs) yeah (laughs) well i mean as far as he thought well it'll just bounce off so it's gonna be like a party trick you know, but Luke just didn't want to be the, uh, you know, he didn't want to be used as a party trick. Um, and also it was dangerous to everybody in the audience. Ricochets. So, um, yeah, no, no. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, um, so, so, um, Angie, what do you think about having Foggy show up randomly? Um, I, I mean, don't we now have a grand, can we call it a grand tradition? Of the lawyers showing up in other people's shows. We had Matt showing up in Jessica Jones. I mean, it's, 
I don't want to say it's it's cheap. It's definitely easy. It's an easy guest spot to do, um, and and I appreciated it. You know, it, I I didn't expect it, um, and I smiled when I saw him, and uh, I thought his interactions with Luke were um, really really great. Uh, he you can tell that he's still not used to things like having his clients be able to snap a table in half, but he's, <laughs> he's trying to be you know, professional about it. He's playing it cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I felt like it was a, it was great to see him and he, uh, he brought some levity to a kind of darker storyline there. No, that's the thing. I mean, that's the thing. Foggy is so fun. And that's why I was happy to have Foggy in there. And, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like Foggy's adjusting really well to all of this. <laughs> you know, I mean, his life was kind of turned upside down when he learned about Matt and what Matt does. And then having to learn about, you know, all the other out there stuff, you know. Because what Matt, you know, the stuff that Matt does, like, isn't that far outside of, like, the realms of believability. But then you've got you know, bulletproof skin and, you know, magic fists and, you know, everything. A woman who can jump, you know, so high that it's like she's flying. You know, I mean, that's it's it's starting to get kind of out there and, and Foggy's just kind of like, okay, I'm adapting. You should wear a mask. <laughs> that's a thing you should do, right? <laughs> so I like that. So I wonder if he's going to be the one that suggests to Danny, hey, you should wear a mask. That's just like something he says all the time now. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, um, um, Mike, did you have anything to add to what you had already said about Foggy? Love the dude. Yeah. <laughs> Go Ducks. <laughs> did you have anything to add, Jen? No, I just, I, I, I love him. I, th- I think, think the, uh, think the actor's great. I think that they, um, I, I'm very happy with how well, even with, as, as characters shift from show to show, and, you know, and, and even within a season, there's, you know, a bajillion different writers on each show. They're really capturing their voice really well. Um, I've, I've, there hasn't ever been a, a crossover character where I was like, well, ex- ex- except for Danny, <laughs> <laughs> where I'm like, that's not the way he was in his show. But but that's all to the good. Hopefully, hopefully he's going to be more like that. In his well, yeah, show. I think what, with Danny, we're supposed to see it as this is development that will then go into the season two Iron Fist and not as, wow, he's like a completely different character over here. But uh, <laughs> we'll see. Um, so, yeah, um, let's talk really briefly about what we'd like to see out of the season three before we wrap things up. Um uh, Jen, you could start us off if you like. Um, so yeah, what, what what kinds of things would you like to see them tackle, or what do you think that's going to happen in uh, in the next season? Well, like I said, I, I would you know we got we got a, a one off season of Punisher in there. I would really like before we circle back around to Luke to get a Daughters of the Dragon season. That would make me super happy. I think that that you know <laughs> Luke Luke has a uh, Luke's got some issues, and and that's going to be a, a whole you know, a whole season dealing with that. Um, I think it will be interesting to see how, uh, you know, how he deals with, with power, you know, to the degree to which absolute power, you know, corrupts, um, you know, now that he doesn't have, he basically just has, what is it? Just sugar, I think is, is the only one of, of, you know, his, his old pals that, that is mm. left. Um, you know, D-Dubs has washed his hands of him. He's Misty has walked away. He sent Claire away. You know, so what is what is the doctor like without companions? <laughs> um, 
to put it in Doctor Who terms. Uh, it will be interesting to see without that stabilizing force, you know, what's going to happen. How is, uh, you know, how, how are, what's, uh, are, are we going to have Tilda back for the next season? Is she going to be our big bad? Um, there's, there's a lot of directions they can go, and I'm looking forward to it. But damn it, I want my daughters of the dragon first. With the way that Tilda looked when she found out she was not getting the club, I would be shocked if she does not turn up. And then I, even if it's just like a supporting role or only for a few episodes, mm-hmm. I I am positive we will see more of Tilda. Um, but uh, so Angie, uh, anything that you would like to add to that? Things you would like to see in season three or expect to see? Um, I think I probably mentioned this on the Black Panther episode. Um, I part of the reason I just adore these like street level shows is that it it really gives the writers the ability to drill into maybe less world altering mm-hmm. consequences of a lot of these changes that you just are never going to deal with in the movies. And I would love to see like. A Wakandan, you know, center open up in Harlem, or, mm, or yeah, I, I, I want to see the broader Marvel universe affecting the street level, and and how, you know, how the street level heroes have to deal with that because you, I, I mean, how must it be to realize that you're superhuman, but you're not like. You know, the whole You're not human. that superhuman. <laughs> Just a little superhuman. <laughs> and and you know, what does that mean for you and and you know, what sort of good can you still do or should you get out of the way? Or, I mean, I I'm I'm really interested in in that sort of um just more personal consequences um that I think that's lacking in the movies just the nature of the movies are bigger threats. Sure, no, and and in fact, that makes a lot of sense, because if you think of how the raft dominated this season of Jessica Jones, the concept of the raft was such a big deal in Jessica Jones season two, you you could see them doing something like Wakanda said, we're not going to get any of the stars, like we're not going to get Chadwick Boseman, you know, showing up in, in Luke Cage, but we could get just a Wakanda, because we know they're opening those up, you know, so they could mm-hmm. in, just introduce some new Wakandan characters or something that are at the center. So, yeah, no, that's, that's a very interesting idea i like that um mike what about you uh things you'd like to see in season three i don't know i mean chatwick is also from south carolina he's just from anderson (laughs) that's only a a hop skip and jump we can do it (laughs) uh for season three i'm 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 just i'm wanting to keep myself in in disbelief i want to keep myself in the dark because i want to be surprised because I don't know anything about Luke Cage as a comic character or, as, or or anything that really goes on. So I really just want to walk in into Luke Cage like, all right, dude, what you got? And just dive right on in. I'm wanting to see how this Luke Cage criminal mastermind or criminal boss <laughs> uh, goes about. And, and, and who really gets involved to try and put him down. Because we're going to have Daredevil come back before Luke Cage season three. So but I'm not sure how much involvement Daredevil is going to be. Maybe this could be like Defenders 2-esque, where all the Defenders have to come and stop Luke. Mm. <laughs> no, but what I think would be interesting is if Wilson Fisk had some dealings with Luke. Oh, oh, oh yeah. 
We can't bring we can't bring in Chadwick, but we're gonna bring in Vince. Okay. Yeah, no, okay, I, I see what you want. You know, in either show, like Luke could show up in Daredevil to do some dealings with Fisk, or Fisk could show up in Luke Cage to do some dealing. Either way, I think that that would be interesting for them to to play off of each other. I would like to see that fight scene. <laughs> Are there any car I doors mean, Fisk handy? Isn't bulletproof. <laughs> Fisk isn't bulletproof by any means, but that's a brawler versus brawler. I I pay money for that. Yeah. Any car doors handy? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Fisk's favorite weapon. (laughs) Put that in a Marvel fighting game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um... I would I would like to see Danny, and I would like to see Danny, because I, what I think would be interesting is for Danny, and again, I don't know how Danny's going to end up at the end of his season, but if he's anything like he was in this, and to have that sort of idealistic, you know, overgrown child confront Luke, and for Luke to basically call him on the fact that, you know that he is so privileged and for the fact that Luke has to, you know, amass it, you know, cause you can almost see the arguments Luke would come up with. I have to amass power to do good. Right. You know, cause I, I need to do the things that I need to do to get the power, to get the privilege, to be able to make the influences that I want to, but to do that, he's got to do things that are not necessarily above board. And, you know, it'd be interesting because I think that they could both have uh, good points, you know, in an argument like that. And to see them kind of come to, you know, to, to come against each other, to lock horns over, over some issue or other that, you know, affects the both of them. And I think that, that would be interesting. And, you know, I personally would love to see maybe, you know, the Luke and, and, and Iron Fist shows, you know, go away and be replaced by a Daughters of the Dragon and a Heroes for Hire series, you know, um, because I, I think it'd be interesting to see those characters spending more time with each other, um, than uh than they are right now and i I could certainly take a season of both of those but but first luke's got to get to a different place than he is now so that's what i'd kind of like to see i'd like to see maybe that next season for them and for them through whatever struggle or through whatever you know argument or whatever come out of it being friends you know which could kind of set up the the idea of them doing heroes for hire together and um because you think about it heroes for hire as a concept is you know, something, it's not only for Luke to be able to, you know, make a living and for him to do good in the world at the same time, but it's also a way for Danny to have to experience a side of life that he hasn't had to. And at least in the comics, Danny decides to forego his fortune. You know, he lets others run the business like they are right now in, in the show, and he decides that he needs a living too. You know, and so for him to come off that privilege and to live as, you know, as as a, you know, a person who needs to make an income and everything else, you know, is it would be, I think, an interesting path for his character as well. So I would kind of like to see that. I I think that that could be very interesting. I think that the main reason it might not happen is because I think people have a difficulty with the ideas of heroes taking a paycheck. But. If you look back in fiction, there's been a lot of examples of that from the A-Team to, you know, uh, Have Gun Will Travel to all sorts of different shows and fiction of, you know, and a lot of times the heroes don't take the check, right? You know, if the cause is good and the people are really struggling, it's like they'll offer the money and they'll be like, no, 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 we'll do this one for free. And it's only the people who can really afford to pay 
that they take money from so they get paid often enough to to survive but they're not like making money hand over fist kind of thing and i think you can have virtuous characters who do that so i but i think that if that if they don't do it i think that's the thing that they're worried about is just the morality of taking money to be a hero um but uh yeah i don't i don't think it's that problematic personally um so yeah, I think we've covered uh, Luke Cage pretty well. If there's anything more that you you felt like we uh, we need to talk about, um, just or you wanted to mention, just uh, say it in the signouts because uh, we're running a little bit long here. Um, so Mike, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Goodbye, Aaronettes. You can find me over on Twitter at this is Trex, or uh, if you want to watch video games, uh, come over to twitch.tv slash Trexlight. Uh, the last thing I just got to say is uh, Citizen Comic-Con, as this recording is happening this weekend here in Columbia, South Carolina, a little homegrown sucker, and we actually have Mike Colter, or Mike Colter coming as a special guest. Nice. So, and I'm actually running the panel, me and my buddies are running the panel room, that's our jungle, and <laughs> I am hopefully going to sit down and talk with Mike uh, Coulter about Luke Cage and, of course, his other movie he's in called Extinction with Mike Pina. Awesome. Yeah, I, I got to meet him very briefly at C2E2, and he and I talked for, you know, like a few seconds but while he was signing an autograph. But uh, he's a nice guy. Yay. I like Nasus. Yeah, <laughs> you can tell there's a difference between, you know, there are some celebrities who are nice and chatty when you're getting an autograph, and there are others who are just like, next. So, he's he's one of the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, Angie, why don't you say goodbye and let people know if they can find you online. Uh, this is me signing off. Um, my house is not flooded yet. Uh, <laughs> Except for the wine. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I, I, um, Nathan kindly pointed out to me that I've been lying and I do in fact have a Twitter account. Um, I found it. But, (laughs) (laughs) um, but I've never tweeted a single thing and it kind of frightens me. So for now I'm, I'm still 42 cast exclusive. (laughs) And we're happy to have you, Angie. Well, thanks. (laughs) Jen, uh, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Goodbye, everyone. Um, I you're not going to be able to find me. Most likely, uh, I am not going to any conventions in the foreseeable future. I am. Uh, I I have a Twitter account. I occasionally retweet other people, but that's pretty much it. And I have a Facebook account. And if you're not my friend, you can't see it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I will occasionally participate on other people's pages. But uh, I'm uh, like I said, I'm about to go periscope down for uh, my my second to last term of coursework. And uh, when I resurface uh, briefly for the holidays, I may pop out and say hi then. <laughs> well, you never know, though, Jen. Somebody uh, that's listening to the podcast may be a scholarly person and may read a paper or something that you publish. In theory, that's po- actually, actually, actually. Let me, let me, let me walk that back. I am going to a conference. I am going to uh, the South Atlantic Modern Language Association conference in November, and I am actually presenting on Jessica Jones. Uh, I'm, I'm on the only cool panel at the entire entire conference. I've seen the program, and I have no interest in seeing anything else except for this one. But uh, it's a uh, uh, somebody who studies um, their. their um, 
studies comics and I'm going to be like, like the token TV show person on there talking about how, how the, uh, the way that Jessica's flashback scenes are shot is um, mimics the, uh, the panel spread layout for comics mm. or something like that. I'll make, I'll make some such shit up. Who knows? <laughs> Uh, but yes, it's uh, that that's that's going to be my my one uh, my one uh, uh, public appearance in the next couple of months. Apart from the, uh, I do have the the I am going to be on the next uh, uh, forty two cast uh, regarding uh, Agents of Shield, right? And then down Periscope. Yeah, but that's cool though because you're able to combine your scholarly pursuits with the geeky things that you love, and I think that a lot of us would love to be able to work. You know, with the things that we love as our hobby, also. So, you know, I, I, I think that's amazing. It's it's fun, um, you know, and and this is you know this is not the stuff that that's going to get me tenure anywhere. But you know, I it, <laughs> I've got an excuse, so I'm like, oh, I can do a Jessica Jones thing for that. Well, then sign me up. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, Jen, Mike, and Angie, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a lot of fun. Thank you, as always. It was great, sir. Thanks for having us. So that's it for our discussion of Marvel's Luke Cage. We hope that you liked it, but if you didn't, there's a lot of different ways that you can tell us. You can email us at everything at 42cast.com. You can leave us a message on our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can tweet to us at at 42cast. You can leave us reviews on Stitcher Radio or iTunes. Or you can go to our website at 42cast.com and leave us a message on any of the episodes on there. I do want to remind everybody that we have our sister show, Time Streams, where a, fr- a friend of the 42cast, Juliet, and co-host of Time Streams, uh, is, uh, is going with me to watch through all the episodes of Doctor Who. So uh, please check that out. Um, the other thing I want to make sure and say again is that we're on Spotify now. Of course, if you've listened to the show anyway, then you probably already have an outlet where you're getting it but if for some reason you'd prefer spotify that is an option now so you can go check that out uh i also want to remind everybody about the eso patreon at patreon.com slash eso network it's a way of supporting all the shows on the station uh gives you access to some exclusive content so you can check that out as well But that is a wrap for this episode of the 42 cast join us back next week when brie larson will not be joining us, and until then, this is Nathan, signing off. You have been listening to The 42 Cast, copyright 2020. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. <laughs>